You're listening to XVGM Radio. XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. I'm Mike. And I'm Justin. And this is episode 17, Game Boy with Nico, a.k.a. the Wii Guy. Nico is a longtime pal of ours, <laughs> a longtime friend of mine, and I'm glad to have him back on the podcast airwaves. He was a frequent guest on Pixel Tunes Radio, and we're just happy to have him come down and talk about some Game Boy tracks. So, Nico, say hello. Hello, that's me. <laughs> so tell everybody a little bit about what you do on your YouTube channel, and of course your uh, ever so blossoming Twitch channel. <laughs> well, for those that probably have an idea of who I am, I am known for Ape at Stereo on YouTube at the Wee Guy Three Hundred Nine. 
YouTube channel name. It is a series that is dedicated, has been dedicated to converting NES, uh, Game Boy, and Master System slash Game Gear games into a pseudo stereo format, as I have coined. Um, and it basically just makes the tunes that you've known and loved sound more crisp and clear. Just something, a new way of hearing these tunes that some are familiar with or hearing maybe brand new soundtracks that you uh, haven't heard of, which is what the channel has currently been because it's been a lot of obscure Famicom stuff lately. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, every time I see anything new pop up, it's always some game that I've never heard of usually. Hmm. Yeah, I'd say the majority of the time when I'm out looking for, for tracks for the for the show, yeah. generally when I find what I'm looking for, when, I, when I'm looking for a particular game, I almost always find Nico's channel. You get, you get the purest... That, that don't like when people do the stereo, but then you get the people like Nico who, you know, are willing to, you know, try new things and try something a little different for the sound and the, uh, you know, preservation of yeah. uh, video game music yeah. in a different format. So Yeah, I have to say, I, I do like what you've done with uh, the stereo stuff because it's, especially for tracks that I'm familiar with from games that I'm already familiar with, mm -hmm. it's interesting to hear, like, how it sounds different when it's, like, put in the stereo. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, thank you. Yes, it has been a, it was uh, something that started as a weird little hobby and just being like, oh, look, I'm turning all these familiar, well-known soundtracks into this format, and then I'm just like, wait a minute. I could do this to every NES and Game Boy and Master System soundtrack. <laughs> Let's just crank this out. Let's yeah. just see what I can, how far I can go. And still <laughs> yeah. going with nearly a thousand uh, soundtracks uploaded to the channel now. Wow. And there's still no end in sight. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. still so much to do. And your Twitch channel has recently, for the most part, kind of blown up, too. You've, you've really, you know, knocked it out of the park. Every time I see you on Twitch, you're streaming. You're just chatting away with tons and tons of people who are just really super into retro. So it's really cool to to see it is definitely a blessing to have that be as great as it is um obviously i've quit the youtube game as far as actual reviews uh, sure. my previous or other channel gaming going gone mm -hmm. um it's where i did reviews and stuff and maybe someday i'll return to it but for now i really find myself on the better on live streaming i think i'm better in just a live off-the-cuff format instead of pre-recorded and feeling like pressure <laughs> to make sure everything is right on this just thing well and of course yeah yeah well nico don't worry you'll always be the baja chalupa of the video game music scene so <laughs> i like it yes uh, and and to that extent that would make justin my i don't know cheesy gordita crunch. crunch yeah 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 <laughs> and that would make me the the cheesy fiesta either the cheesy fiesta potatoes or the cheesy bean and rice burrito uh, of video game music <laughs> podcast. I think you're more the cheesy bean and rice. Maybe a combo. <laughs> cheesy bean and rice burrito <laughs> with, with potatoes? The potatoes inside. Oh, I know. Now, now you're double dipping. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm, <laughs> now I've gone too far. So anyways, enough Taco Bell talk. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, which is... Sponsored by... No. <laughs> which is sponsored by Taco Bell. So we're going to be talking about the Game Boy's audio hardware as well as the history of the Game Boy. And I'm sure Nico will correct anything that I've get, I get wrong here. <laughs> so the handheld system for the Game Boy, Nintendo's Game Boy, was released in the summer of 1989. Several offshoots were later created that were considered improvements, i.e. the Game Boy Pocket, the Game Boy Light, which was backlit and exclusive to Japan, unfortunately, uh, the Game Boy Color, and, of course, the Game Boy Advance. Yes, I actually had a Game Boy Light. Really? I picked one up secondhand, and uh, the, the Game Boy Light—that's that, 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 one the of back, the, 
Okay, not, the not built the Game Boy Light, which is the light you put on. Not, yeah, not like that. Not like the worm light or anything like mm. that. No, this was uh, the actual Japanese Game Boy Light. Huh. And uh, really, it's the only way to play, like, retro Game Boy unless you are right in front of, like, the light or sunlight. Yeah. So, uh, the combined sales units of just Game Boy and Game Boy Color alone is $118 million. The Game Boy itself only has one speaker, but if you plug in headphones, you do get stereo sound. Yes, and the Game Boy Audio is comprised of a similar makeup to the NES regarding the four wave channels, along with two pulse waves and a noise channel. Yeah, that noise channel does not separate the triangle and DPCM sample. That's correct. Yeah, so there's tons of awesome details that we could get into, but I figure we may as well start talking about the song that brought us in just before so nico picked this one this is uh what stage theme one from robocop 2 on the game boy is that right yes yes and that was a 1991 release and that track was composed by jonathan dunn who is uh a fantastic Mm. uh western composer yeah no i really like the the noise that was used for like the bass notes i don't know how to describe it other than just bouncy like every time a bait like one of the bass notes hit i just felt like i could like bounce on it i don't know (laughs) jump on it just like robocop can in this game Yes, yes 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 so why'd you pick this one nico well, of course, I'm a big fan of uh, Jonathan Dunn. He is definitely among my top, like, favorite Euro composers. And uh, I was close to picking the first RoboCop Game Boy game, which Jonathan Dunn also did. But I figured maybe I would want to give some spotlight to actually the second game, which both, I'm pretty sure this one and especially the NES one, are not that well received for its uh, a- uh, the actual gameplay. Um, but both versions of the soundtrack are great as well, which, of course, again, Jonathan Dunn did the NES version. And what I like here is that, like, a lot of the tunes in this version are basically like reimaginings of the one from the NES one, but mm-hmm. on the Game Boy with some like one or two new tracks. But it's like you're saying, it's just it's just bumping and popping. I just love the energy that Jonathan Dunn was able to get out of the Game Boy with with these tunes, with these type of like mm-hmm. compositions. Uh, if anything, I feel that he did better on the, the Game Boy as far as like just the general sound than the NES one. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is crazy. I agree. I, I think that he seems to he tends to do much better with Game Boy than NES when it comes to his soundtracks. I always prefer his Game Boy stuff. As Nico was saying, he did the first uh, Game Boy RoboCop game as well, which was a conversion of, what was that, the Amiga version, no? The Game Boy version of RoboCop on Game Boy. I know it wasn't a conversion on the NES version because that was the Data East. Right. And this one was done by Ocean, if I recall. Yeah. Yes. Ocean. It's not a uh, painting by numbers, actually, I think. Oh, it is. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I feel like that soundtrack is a lot more, like, gritty and rough around the edges. And that initial title track on the Game Boy version is just such a somber song. Uh, it was also used for a washing machine advertisement they ripped it off from really from, yeah from jonathan <laughs> do you know about that nico i do not uh no? only of course that of course it was the title theme track was of course on the commodore 64 version mm-hmm. uh first which personally i don't know i feel more akin to that one but i mean the game boy version is great as well but oh absolutely that probably is definitely given its infamy is that commercial usage mm-hmm. yeah there's a commercial for a washing machine called ariston hmm. And it's literally the RoboCop 1 Game Boy track, title track, but it's, they just, they're singing in the, well, kind of monotonously singing. It's like, they go like, on and on 
and Ariston. And then you'll hear like do 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 See if we can find the uh We'll post it in the Facebook group. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Put in the show notes. Yeah, it's 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 pretty funny. So but yeah, I don't know. I haven't played this Game Boy game. Uh I played the NES version. Is there really uh a big big difference between the two? I would say yes. Uh Robocop is actually more controllable in this version That's good. Obviously the heavy and slippery version of the NES one. Yes. Um I still like the NES version a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course, gameplay and soundtrack-wise, I still like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one is definitely better. I would say more people would probably, if they didn't like the NES one, I would be like, try the Game Boy version. It actually is a little bit more manageable. It's slower, though. Yeah. Like, you know, the jumping and movement is slower, but there's a little bit more to be able to get behind than the NES one. Well, they also had um, to kind of make uh, make it so that the figures didn't blur that much um, you know the faster you you have uh the speed go on a game boy game there's a bigger possibility of the image kind of like uh blurring due to the speed so that's why a lot of like early early any, uh game boy games are slower like huh. slower pace like castlevania the adventure yeah. uh you know some of these other games that we're going to be talking about but let's go ahead and start going through the rest of our tracks uh now what we generally do is we do this round robin so uh we're going to start off with our guest nico and then we'll go to me and then we'll go to Justin and then we'll just you know go back around so we've got a really amazing set of tracks and we're going to kick it off with Nico's next pick what do you got for us I've got uh Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 back from the sewers oh, snap. the track Battlefield aka Act 3-1 and that's composed by Tsuyoshi Sekido and Yuko Kurahashi <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Back from the Sewers on the Game Boy released in 1991. That was the Battlefield Act 3-1 track composed by Tsuyoshi Sekito and Yuko Kurahashi. You got it. Yeah. That's right. I love that little drum breakdown during the song. I mean, this is a total like turtle surf rock song. Definitely. I know that the, the, the breakdown was actually sort of a pleasant surprise. Yeah. No, it, it kind of makes you wake up for a second yeah like you figure a track is going to be you know pretty much like oh the, the song's going to sound like this mm-hmm. but then just after that first verse you hear like bah, bah, bah. and you're like whoa where'd that come from and then it like goes right back into the regular uh you know drum without missing a beat man i mean it's just it yeah. flows so well yeah it was really really well put together one of the things that i that i noticed uh, and i'm sure there's a lot of other game boy games mm-hmm. with music like this 
but um, I was surprised at how sort of clean the, the snare sounded. Mm. I'm used to, in, particularly off of the Game Boy, mm -hmm. hearing really, really crunchy snares, which yeah. I like. Um, yeah. that, that's not a complaint like, oh, the, the snares are too crunchy. Mm -hmm. But I was I was surprised because I, I think you'll see in some of the tracks that, that I'm going to play later, the snares that, that really like grindy, crunchy mm. snare, mm. Uh, sort of like in the RoboCop track. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was that was really cool. Like I liked how, how clean it sounded, and uh, I, it, I was surprised at how well the, the entire song really flowed. Yeah, definitely. So, Nico, why'd you pick this one? Well, of course, I mean, you can't go wrong with Turtles. No. And you know me, I always have, like, European composers that I choose my tracks from. And this one, I was like, let's try and get a little bit into the Japanese, because, you know, this is still their hardware as well. And this is definitely a showcase of, like, that, you know, these Japanese composers got down, and especially Konami. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it is ex it's got exactly that turtle feel to it, too. And then just that... It's just like, that's pure Konami, man. Yeah, yeah and absolutely. It's just got energy, man. The whole soundtrack is great. I think this is probably my favorite of the three uh, TMNT games on the Game Boy. Oh, really? Yeah, this was, it, this was probably the hardest one because I was just like, oh, there's so many great tracks from this game. Which one to choose? And I thought this one, just like you said, just like that introduction or like mm -hmm. the jumps like, but then yeah. it's just like, yes. whoa, yes. I'm ready. Let's kick some freaking shell. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like the third game game itself better, I would say, than the first two. The first two just, I don't know, they feel like very by the books on the game action. Boy? Yeah, they feel like just very by yes. the books action games. But uh, the third one's actually developed by the Symphony of the Night crew. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Or like, you know, a skeleton crew of yeah, the Symphony yeah. of the Night crew. Fairly certain I have not played that game. And yeah. Now, now that you're talking about it like that, I'm like, mm, I, I definitely missed out on that. It's, it's a cool game. Out. Whereas this game is more, again, like the first game, like a by the book action game, you know. The sprites are nice and chunky and big and everything. Com comparing to like the the NES games, yeah. What, the first NES game, the second. This is more in line with with the second game. So more like the like an arcade. Game. Like an arcade game, like a beat 'em up, yeah. pretty much like an action side scrolling game where you're just you know picking the turtles and one of the turtles and going through the game. The third game is different, where you start off as Michelangelo and you have to rescue the other turtles. Mm called Radical Rescue, <laughs> and that game is severely underrated. So, but yeah, Back From the Sewers, I don't have that much experience with, but I love the soundtrack, so I'm going to have to pick this one up. <laughs> so, Suyoshi Sekido, he worked on mostly Konami affairs up until 1998, where he started working with Square Enix, or Square Soft, at, at that point in time, with Chocobo's Dungeon 2, and Brave Fencer Musashi was the composer on that as well. Uh, later on, ended up doing like some of the uh, front mission type games, uh, front mission in 2002, uh, Romancing Saga, he was a musician ranger, a lot of different stuff. I mean, he's done everything from Kingdom Hearts to Dissidia to Bravely Default to Bravely Second. His latest game was in 2018 that was the Secret of Mana musical arrangement, which was done oh, for, the, for the remake of the, the game. For the remake, yeah. yeah. So he rearranged all of Hiroki Fukuda's uh, original soundtrack. Wow. Yeah. Well, Yuko Kurahashi has a much shorter resume. <laughs> Looks like they stuck with Konami throughout their career, starting in 1988 with Bio Miracle Bokute Upa, which is a game on the NES. Uh, it's the Famicom, yeah. That's yeah, that I'm game sorry, with the right. baby. Yes. Yeah. Um, that is a, a Japanese game. Uh, 
uh, SD Snatcher in 1990, Metal Gear 2, Solid Snake in 1990, yep. uh, and then doing some Game Boy games. Uh, this one, Gradius, The Interstellar Assault in 1991, mm -hmm. and Batman, The Animated Series in 1993. Both of which have great soundtracks yes. and are great games. Yes. <laughs> yeah, really good Game Boy games. And Tsuyoshi Sakito also worked on Metal Gear 2, Solid Snake, and oh, yeah. uh, SD Snatcher with him. Nice. Fun little factoid. So we're moving from one action game featuring some turtles, some ninja turtles, to a ninja action game that doesn't feature any turtles. Features a guy. Features yeah. a guy. Dead. Yeah. Ninja Gaiden Shadow on the Game Boy. That came out in late 1991. This is going to be stage one, and it's by the always amazing Hiroyuki Iwatsuki. <laughs> That was one of my favorite tracks on the Game Boy, Ninja Gaiden Shadow, and that came out in 1991. That was Stage 1, and that was by Hiroyuki Iwatsuki, who's one of my favorite composers. I can see why. What a track. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I mean, that's Stage 1. I have to say, what a way to start a game. Oh, yeah. That was absolutely epic. Oh, yeah? You like that? <laughs> so, have you not played this game? No, I, I avoided a lot of the Ninja Gaiden games when I was a kid, because I, I can't remember which one I had mm -hmm. tried playing, but it was brutally difficult, and I was just like, you know what, I don't need this kind of negativity in my life. <laughs> so, I think at one point I had a Tiger Electronics uh, Ninja Gaiden game, okay. and that I played because, like, there's... There's a Tiger Electronics. Because it's there's, there's Tiger no, Electronics. There, there's, there's no end to it. So right, like, right. It, it, was, it was fun to play because for, for, for like five or ten minutes, and then eventually it's just it's the same thing over and over. Right. Other than that, I, I generally avoided the Ninja Gaiden games okay. until, like, until like we were friends. And I watched you play them, and I was like, oh, wow. These, <laughs> These are still really hard, but still. <laughs> it's, it's way... It's almost like watching uh, watching Eric play Sonic. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I am pretty good at Ninja Gaiden 2, and that's pretty much 
yet. <laughs> Nico, what about you? Have you have you played this one? Oh heck yeah, of course. Yeah. I love Ninja Gun Shadow Man. Yeah. It's a great game. Do you know the history behind it? I do. So tell us the history of Ninja Gaiden Shadow for what type of game it was supposed to be. Well, yes, for the, uh, well, the basics is pretty much most of the history. Uh, Ninja Gaiden Shadow was supposed to be, I believe, a either a sequel or the Game Boy version of Shadow of the Ninja yeah. on the NES. I think a sequel. Um, yeah, I think so, too. Despite this having the name Ninja Gaiden, that's also why it's Ninja Gaiden Shadow, because it's Shadow of the Ninja Gaiden, like kind of like a mix or what have you. But of course, this is a Natsume-developed game and not a Tecmo. And of course, why we have Hiroyuki Iwatsuki doing the music and all that. And right. Of course, has that Natsume vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Being named Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely has uh, Iwatsuki's, like, famed style. Obviously, really good reasons as to why he's one of my favorite composers. He worked with my favorite composer, Iku Mizutani, on a lot of game soundtracks. Stuff like Tailgater in 91. He did sound effects on uh, Shatterhand. And either way, he did uh, the sound and music and everything on Ninja Gaiden Shadow. Chojin Sentai Jetman, which is an excellent, excellent soundtrack on the Famicom. And great game as well. Not a bad song on that soundtrack. He later on did a bunch of other stuff with Natsume, stuff like Paki and Rocky, Mitsume Ga Toru, which is an anime Famicom game, really good stuff. Uh, it's called like the Three Third Eye or Three Eye Boy or something like that. Ghost Sweeper Makame Joreshi Wa Nice Body, which is Ghost Sweeper Makame on the Super Famicom. I uh, did Wild Guns, Ninja Warriors, Pocky and Rocky 2, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, I mean, just the list goes wow, yeah. on and on and on. He's got such a great repertoire with Natsume specifically. And I would say that his later half of his career, he still continued to work with Natsume on games like Wild Guns Reloaded in 2016. And he's also working on uh, Ninja Warriors again, again. I believe that's the name of it. Ninja Warriors again, again? Yeah, so Ninja Warriors again is the Super Famicom Horse. That's the title of Ninja Warriors and uh, what we got in the States is Ninja Warriors on the Super NES. Basically like a a reboot sequel thing (laughs) to the uh, Taito arcade Ninja Warriors game that came out, you know, with the Zuntada amazing soundtrack. Mm -hmm. But they remade or rebooted this franchise on the Super NES, and Ninja Warriors is getting a re-release, kind of like a Wild Guns Reloaded, sort of. Yeah, yeah. But I think they're calling it Ninja Warriors again, again. (laughs) I could be wrong about that. Uh, I hope they do, because that's awesome. Yeah, they've, they've been working on it for quite some time, ever since Wild Guns Reloaded wrapped, so... I'm really looking forward to that. Hopefully we get the same treatment with like new music, new levels. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's really cool that they brought Iwatsuki back. So, other than that, he did a couple other tracks with um, some other companies like uh, he did Half Minute Hero and Half Minute Hero the Second Coming which uh, has like a smorgasbord of composers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good stuff there. A lot, yeah. of, re- a lot of really good games in there. I mean, aside from just even the like these good music from the games. Like, yeah. A lot of those games are really good games. Yeah, really fun games. A lot of like Power Rangers stuff actually. Yeah, yeah. Which really suits for his style of uh, of music because he's a very like action oriented. Yeah, high energy. Yeah, super high energy so it's really, really awesome. But yeah, this game was supposedly developed initially as you know, Nico said, as Shadow of the Ninja and then Tecmo saw it and was like, nope, yoink. 
and they stole it, and they were like, nope, let's release this as a Ninja Gaiden game, because it's got the branding, it'll sell yeah. much, much better, and I don't know if it actually did or not, but it, it is, I don't know if the story is canon, but you're fighting another bad guy that's not J- Jackie O, or yeah. whatever, so. Good Jackie O? Jackie O. JFK's wife? <laughs> no, I did a whole episode no, I know, of I this <laughs> on. Uh, uh, it, it's I used to call him Jaquio when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, but it's Jackio. So let's move into your first pick. What do you got for us, Justin? So we're gonna hear a track from the Jungle Book on the Game Boy, which came out in 1994. The track is simply known as BGM Six, and it was composed by Neil Baldwin. <laughs> That was BGM6, also known as Bonus Round, 
Uh, and that was from Jungle Book, which came out in the Game Boy in 1994, composed by Neil Baldwin. Kind of a late release for the Game Boy. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, bit. Uh, we, we we have some that some things in here that are coming out later than that. But hmm. when when did the Game Boy actually re- reach end of life? I believe like 98, actually. Yeah, so, so about halfway. Not, yeah, yeah, that's not that late. Yeah, yeah. But. Yeah. Because I remember seeing, like, Mad No 8. Yes, You know, yes. stuff like that on the original Game Boy. But I think it was around 98, 99 that, that the, the color came yeah. out. Yeah, so Game Boy had a pretty good life cycle. I mean, I think Pokemon really extended that. That's true, too. Yeah, I mean, Pokemon was just such a blur to <laughs> me. I, I, I have no, no interest in Pokemon whatsoever. I played... The original. I played the original and was just like, mm, I don't get it. I don't see uh, what the big deal is. So I, I played the original and, and loved it, and then yeah. sort of fell off from, from there. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean the the Game Boy had, uh, as we sort of talked about earlier, had a really interesting life cycle because, uh, and Nintendo's done this with almost all of their their handhelds, mm. where like the next version of the handheld played the previous. They, they did the backwards compatibility. Yeah, thing. they did that um, up until the. Well, actually, they've still sort of done it because you can play sort of. DS games on a on the 3DS. 3DS. Yeah, that's so, true. That's true. Uh, yeah. And I mean, even even on their, their consoles, they, they did it to a certain extent. Mm. But one of the other cool things that I, that I like that they did with this like altered life cycle is they they made games that you could play on the regular Game Boy, but if you played them on the Game Boy Color, mm. they had extra things like um, the Zelda Link's Awakening. That that was the one that I that I strongly remember. The huh. like, there, there's a whole extra section if you played on the Game Boy Color. The right. only carts that worked on the original Game Boy were the, that were color carts, were the black carts. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like Link's Awakening DX, for example, you can play that's, on the original Game Boy. And that, that's actually what I was thinking of. Going even further, like Shantae, for example, on the Game Boy Color, if you played that on the Game Boy Advance, there's like a whole oh, additional yeah. like transformation that you can. Yeah. Get. So even even in, in some of the the, the later models, they mm-hmm. did stuff like that. Yep. Which was just, that's it's such a nifty thing, and I mean, yeah. obviously, it it also pushes. Hey, you should buy this new system. Absolutely. But it like it's just. It's a cool little Easter egg. So why Jungle Book? Mostly for nostalgia, to be completely honest. This is <laughs> this is one of the games that I remember playing a lot on like car rides and okay. stuff like that. And we I mentioned this during uh, during the break when we were listening, but this is one of the one of the games. Like I enjoyed the game, mm. but it also there, there were certain parts that were sort of frustrating. But I really like the music from this game. So this is one of the things where I could be in the car, and if I was getting uh, getting frustrated, I could just sort of like stop playing the game, put Mowgli to the side, put the Game Boy down, and just listen to the music. Okay. Like this, this song in particular, it's somewhat of a short loop, mm. but it's not one that I really ever got sick of, and that is because the bass line to this song, mm. um, I just, I, I really, really enjoyed the bass line. So I, I can recall being in the back of my grandmother's van on a, on a long road trip or something with, with my family and just sort of like listening to the song, closing my eyes, and then falling asleep, just <laughs> sort of like having that bass line in my head. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this one I've never played before. What about you, Nico? You played this one? Have not, but I am familiar with the NES version, which yeah. was, of course, done by Neil Baldwin as well. Yep, yep. Um, it's pretty, pretty much the same. Main, main difference is uh, it, it got simplified a little bit for the for the Game Boy, and uh, obviously it's, it's not in color. <laughs> yeah, true, true. But, I mean, you're, you're Mowgli, you run around, you throw bananas at things, you have to pick up bananas, I think, to throw them at things, mm. uh, so you can, you can run 
out of bananas and then you just need to like run away from stuff. And you are trying to get back to the human village uh, because Shere Khan is hunting you and you have to fight you know, different wildlife like Shere Khan and... Um, is that the plot of Jungle Book? I've never seen Jungle Book. Oh, sort of? I, I always mean, thought that like... He was a boy that was raised by wolves. Okay. Um, it, 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 it's somewhere, I want to say India. Um, uh-huh. And eventually there's like a human settlement that, that that's somewhat near the jungle and a lot yeah. of the animals are not happy about it. They're not happy about him because he's a man cub and like they, they know that he's human and then eventually Bagheera who's the uh, the panther that raised him is right. just like hey you uh, you have to go live with the humans like mm. they're 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 infringing on our territory we need to like we're basically gonna gonna move deeper into the jungle and they're your people you need to go be with them. Okay that's then. basically the gist of the of, of the movie. Oh and the I, yeah. story. I had that movie totally wrong. <laughs> I, I'm afraid to ask. I don't know. So, Neil Baldwin. Yeah, he's a guy. He's done a lot of things. Yes, he um, has. He started out doing uh, audio tracks on a game called Tangent in 1988. Uh, his resume is fairly large, so uh, I'm just going to pop a couple things in here. Highlights. Highlights. Uh, Lethal Weapon in 1993. That's another Game Boy game that I owned. Family Feud in 1994. Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo in 1995 he did the music on Duke Nukem 64 That's gotta be a conversion That's oh, gotta be like probably. a well, 3DO or something like that That's funny 3DO, Amiga yeah. Amiga CD3 Yep, uh, that makes total sense Oh yeah Yeah So Duke Nukem 64 1997 and we'll end it with Ice Age 2 The Meltdown in 2006 he did audio production on that Oh snap That's Nico's favorite Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Actually, I haven't heard that, but I want to. Well, we're going from one song that takes place in the jungle to another one. What do you uh, What do you got for us, Nico? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my segue. Well, it's not a jungle because the next track oh. is from Donkey Kong Land 2 on the Game Boy release in 1996. Yeah, a little bit later. It's still and a jungle. Is I mean, it doesn't oh, yeah. make it not a jungle. It, no, but the <laughs> track makes it not a jungle. Oh, well, yeah. I guess you could say that. <laughs> yeah. So this is Articabus or In a Snowbound Land, the GB Mix by the one and only Grant Kirkhope. All right, let's hit it.
Alrighty, and welcome back. That was Donkey Kong Land 2 on the original Game Boy, released in 1996. That was Arctic Abyss, aka In a Snowbound Land, the GB mix, by Grant Kirkhope, who did the arrangements, as of course that was originally by David Wise from the DKC2 SNES game. Yes, one of my favorite games <laughs> and soundtracks of all time, for sure, on the original Super NES. But the Donkey Kong Land 2, I never really played any of these land games. I always kind of figured they were just like inferior versions of the <laughs> original. But, I don't know. Nico, you're not you, wrong. Yeah, I'm, wrong. I am wrong? Okay. No, I think no, you're, you're not wrong. wrong. Oh, I'm not wrong. No, oh, you're okay. not wrong. Okay, well, that's, okay. That's kind of sad to hear. Okay. I was just going to say, like, a, a, a lot of the adaptations or, like, the land versions I've, I've always found to be, like, portable, sh- like, quicker, mm. sort of different. Like, I, I didn't find them to be... I mean, I didn't play this, like, the Donkey Kong Land. Yeah. But, like, for instance, Super Mario Land as opposed mm. to Super Mario World mm-hmm. was not, like, a dumbed-down version. I, it was, like, a totally different game. But it, it, is Donkey Kong Land, like, a dumbed-down version of Donkey Kong Country, Nico? But, yes, uh, he's not entirely wrong, but there are still qualities to the Land games that hold up on their own. Okay. I could... I I mean, I've, I've only played the first one, I want to say, mm. and, you know, it just kind of felt like... It made me want to just play the actual the SNES, game. SNES game, whereas, you know, like Mario Land, for example, is its own thing. I'd much rather play an original version of a game or a proper sequel to a game than play, like, a dumbed-down version of the same game, you know, unless there's, like, significant gameplay improvement. Like, for example, with RoboCop 2, how Nico was saying that the game was oh, yeah. less slippery than on the NES yeah, it's version. Yeah, a bit more playable. Right, right, right. So. Huh. Donkey Kong Land 2. Uh, you play as Diddy Kong and Dixie Kong, so it, it does stay true to the Donkey Kong Country, Country. 2 mm-hmm. format. Uh, but this is oh, the yeah. ice level, right? Uh, yeah, Arctic Abyss and the Snowbound Land. The whole soundtrack is basically just all conversions of David Wise's... Uh, tracks from the original Super Nintendo game mm-hmm. which uh, Grant Kirkhope I think did an amazing job. Yeah, um, he for did. For his technically second soundtrack he did overall I think, because the first one was the Killer Instinct Gold, they are, right? I believe so. Yes, Killer Instinct Gold he did guitar and MIDI guitar on that uh, and then followed up with Killer Instinct 2 where he did live guitar and trumpet. Ah, yeah. <laughs> nice. So, and but... then, you know he pretty much stayed with Rare for a good long time up until about I'd say 2008 where his last game with Rare was Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts oh so he stayed with them after, uh, through when they got bought by Microsoft yes oh. he did he's on that game he's uh, qu- credited as clanging and banging <laughs> damn yeah but he did a bunch of various different other games. Um, probably one of my favorites is Perfect Dark. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, I love the soundtrack that he did with that. He was brought into Perfect Dark once, um, I think, Graham Norgate left. So he kind of, you know, finished up the tracks. Banjo-Kazooie in 1998, he was the big noisemaker. Also known as the composer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gold- I, I think that's what he's pretty much famous for. That and GoldenEye, yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yes. he did GoldenEye 007 and 97, uh, did the original music, and also did the live guitar and blast chords as well. So his latest game is as a guest composer for A Hat in Time in 2017, which so many people have told me to play, and I really need to play it. So I've, I've heard mostly good things about that. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm kind of waiting on a physical copy to come out. Hopefully. Oh, so what you're saying is you're never going to play it. No, that's not true. <laughs> Limited Run might do a physical. Po- possibly, possibly. Hopefully. 
But I mean, that, that, that was an indie game that I, I don't... I don't think it was necessarily intended with, or it was created with the intent of, of having a physical release. Well, a lot of games weren't, but like for example, he also worked on Ukulele, and that got a uh, physical. Yeah, but that, I mean that, that was part of a, a Kickstarter, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that the uh, part of the Kickstarter thing was like we want to do a physical release on these different systems. I'm not sure about that. I think the physical was afterwards. Was it? Yeah, I'm almost hmm. positive, but I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. He also did Ghostbusters yeah. in 2016. He did the music for the. Oh, that terrible, that terrible Ghostbusters game. Yeah. The yeah is. Is it bad? I don't know. I mean... Yeah, I've heard it was really bad. Really? That's a shame. Yeah, 2016, which was when the Ghostbusters reboot happened. So they oh, made a, they they made made a game, game for the reboot. For the okay. reboot. <laughs> yeah. Well. Watch out. Nico might hurl up his Taco Bell. We keep talking about it. No. <laughs> keep that Baja know, Blast in your stomach. Yeah. I'll, I'll do good. I'll, um... I just... I'll do it. Think about I'll, Justin I'll, as a cheesy gordita crunch. I'll think of him as a, as a yellow... As a as a yellow yeah like the cheese the yellow cheese yeah and like the yellow cartridge that Donkey Kong Land Two came on that's right the whole uh, Land trilogy got uh, banana cartridges which yep. I think was very very nice nice touch yeah, yeah. Um, agreed totally agreed I, I I miss the days of different colored cartridges yeah it was always a nice little yeah touch. I uh, I definitely remember this uh, this one's also special for my choice because this is one of the Game Boy games original Game Boy that I do remember getting because of course the fam loved Don Country 2 yep and so we got the game the land 2 where I got it and I, I, I did like it I feel this is better than one though one land one it was a little inferior because of the controls like the jumping and running was a little like they didn't really I think Rare had much of the uh, uh, was it the engine down or whatever right. just for the physics or whatever but they improved in two it felt it feels just like the snes one and same with land three but yeah yeah but yeah i just definitely love this track because it's also something where it captures a different vibe than the snes because it's it's game boy four channels um mm -hmm. and i think grand kirkup's only like 8-bit composition of that era that yeah. he ever did which i think is pretty rare <laughs> no pun <Yeah>. intended <laughs> <laughs> nice but nice. i, I the whole soundtrack as a whole it captures a whole different vibe, which I do love. That just even with four sound channels, he got something just as equally as amazing as David Wise's original music. Yeah, I would say that I like both, but I could see the benefits of this version. It's a little bit uh, not; it's not as floaty sounding. You like them both, but for different reasons. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I like the arrangement in the Super NES version. I think it's a little better, but. Uh, you know, in this version in particular, it, it feels a little bit more, uh, I don't know, like storybooky. Hmm. You know, like like <laughs> pop up storybook kind of. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, got, it has that. It makes me feel more warm. Yeah, you know, yeah, nice yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could say that. Yeah, that's yeah. true. No, that's fair. All right. Going from one land sequel to another land sequel, my pick is Super Mario Land 2 on the Game Boy, and that was on 1992's release year. That was Treetop that we're going to be listening to, and it's by Kazumi Totaka.
Hi there, I'm Ted Chalmers. You may remember me from such radio ads as Lick My Links, Atari Style, and Crank My Gear, Gaming with Sega. Today, I'm here to tell you about an all-new revolutionary product from Nintendo. It's called the Game Dad. But what is Game Dad, you ask? Well, the Game Boy was great for when we were kids growing up in the late 80s and early 90s. But back then, your parents did everything for you. So, with the Game Dad, Nintendo revolutionized video games yet again by making it easier for dads to play video games while also dealing with their kids. By putting Velcro Bluetooth-enabled soft buttons on children's clothing that auto-syncs up with a monocle monochromatic head strap eye patch screen, you could always have one eye open while you're changing diapers and still keep slaying Ganon in Legend of Zelda. Want to become a Tetris champ? But you have to hold the baby while getting her bottle warmed and ready? Slap those buttons on that butt and bounce that baby. Is it evening time and you're trying to get the little one to bed? Read them the storyline to Final Fantasy Adventure as you're rocking them to sleep. All this and more on The Game Dad. Please note, not recommended for use in flying over Utah. Please get some sleep at some point. Designed for dealing with non-walking babies. Also available as Game Dad Game Mom Edition. Sold at all Joys R Us, BK Toys, and all other electronic superstores. You're listening to XVGM Radio. Welcome back to XVGM Radio. That was Super Mario Land 2 on the Game Boy that came out in 1992. And the track was Treetop, and that was by Kazumi Totaka. Mr. Totaka. Land, uh, Lord of... Lord of Lands. Lord of Lands. (laughs) I like this one. This was, uh, it was very minimalist, but it was done in a way that, like, I enjoyed it for how minimalist it was. It's got a salsa... vibe to it totally like salsa you know caribbean kind of style but what i love 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 is all the little nuanced details that you pick up in the background (laughs) uh i love all the like like the little like squeaks the chirps and the squeaks uh in the background that that you know which it really kind of fits because it makes it sound like birds are making the noise you know like they're in the treetop and oh yeah yeah so That's you, clever. You just got the do 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 do, you know. But this song, obviously, a motif for the entire soundtrack, <laughs> because the entire soundtrack kind of has that like do 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 do, you yeah. know, and like the That's like the the Wii music. Yes. No, well, I mean, I think Totaka <laughs> did work on the Wii. Yes, he did. Yeah. He did the, uh, known for a lot of the infamous Wii music for, yeah. like, the Me theme and, yep, I yep. believe, the Wii Shop channel. That makes there, total there sense. There you go, then. Yep. Perfect, okay. perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, he also worked on stuff like Luigi's Mansion. Mm-hmm. Did stuff like that. Uh, Mario Tennis Aces is his latest game. Or I guess he did voices. Anyways, so let's talk about this game itself, Super Mario Land 2. So obviously a sequel to Mario Land 1, mm-hmm. obviously a very different direction that was more oh, yeah. in line with the NES games. The Game Boy, the first Game Boy game, the sprites were super tiny, and the game itself was more designed with the creator of the Game Boy, Gunpei Yokoi. Oh, yeah. He created Mario Land 1, and that was like his baby. And okay. so I remember being very confused by Mario Land one because I played it and I was like, "Why do the turtles explode?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like it was weird. Yeah. It didn't look like Mario to me, and especially you know going from like Mario one to Mario two to Mario three, and then the Mario World. Yep. You know, and then to go back to Land one, 
it was just like such like a downgrade. But also you got to keep in mind that the game came out. It was like a launch game yes, for the Game Boy, yes. which came out in '89. So. I mean, ultimately, I, I enjoyed the game. I just when I, when I first picked it up, I was just very confused because yeah. the Koopas don't explode in any other game. Yeah. So, uh, and there were there were a few other things that I thought were were odd. But was to the uh, the golden coins one? Yep, six okay. golden coins was the secondary title to yes. Mario Land Two. It's this one right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about you, Nico? What what was your experience with? Obviously, my whole original Game Boy library was like, it was Donkey Land 2, Super Mario Land 1. I had the original, but I did miss out on Land 2 here. Okay. And like Pokemon and some other stuff. But when I did get to play this, like, you know, a couple years ago for the first time, I was like, oh, man, this is great. This is basically if you took Super Mario World and made most of its, like, you know kind of ideas and stuff and put it on the Game Boy because yeah. Mario's sprite is kind of Super Mario World he's got the spin you yep. know it just feels a little bit more like that yeah and I love it I agree I agree yeah the game feels a lot more like Mario World than I would say like Mario 2 or Mario 1 yeah it, it has a hub world that you could go to like different worlds and the oh, whole yeah. point of the game is you're trying to get these golden coins uh, from the different lands so you defeat the big bads of the land for each land and then you get the coin you bring the coin to this like area and then you put the gold coin in the slot and when you get all six golden coins then you can try to take on Wario. That, this was the introduction to Wario. <laughs> yep. I did the cha-cha-cha because I just got, I'm listening to it on like a loop and it's, oh, that, it's so good. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love <laughs> the, it, the cha-cha vibe that it gives off. Yeah. It's just to talk a style, man. It is pure essence of just catching Nintendo fun. Yes. Know? Absolutely. Uh, looks like, once again, we are getting a signal from Janine. This one's coming in on the Patreon line. Yeah, Janine's our producer. I don't know if you've met Nico. This is our producer. Oh, yeah, Janine? Uh, I think so. Yeah, Janine's a giant Metroid. Metroid. Giant floating Metroid. Yeah. She's cool, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's cool. She's our producer. So, that's the thing. Anyways, caller, you are on the air. Who do we have? Hey, Mike, Justin, and Wee Guy, the messenger here. And I want to request something from my childhood. It's uh, Stage Theme 2 from the game Tiny Toon Adventures, Babs Big Break for the Game Boy. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah, we can definitely do that. So, uh, as Alex just said, let's listen to Stage Theme 2, also known as Pipes, from Tiny Toon Adventures, Babs Big Break, came out in the Game Boy in 1992, composed by Hidehiro Funauchi and M. Shindao.
and welcome back to the show that was the patreon request patreon check from alex messenger tiny tune adventures babs big break on the game boy of course released in 1992 that was track stage theme 2 slash pipes by Hidehiro Funaichi and M. Shindao. That's right. Dang, that's a lot of words. I've never played this one, but from the looks of it, it appears to be a like a more full of variety Tiny Toon sequel, like from the NES game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it looks... Uh, so I never played the NES uh, Tiny Toons game, but I have played the heck out of the SNES one. Uh, oh, you mean Buster Bust Loose? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it, it actually kind of looks a little bit like that, except you play as more than just Buster Bunny. Instead of Buster busting loose in this one, Babs is, Babs is getting a big break. Is getting a big break. That's right. I, I, I believe like the plot of this one is like Babs is going in for like a movie role or something like that yeah you, you, you play as the uh, the other characters trying to prevent montana max from thwarting her dreams of becoming a big star right so right, you're right. you're basically protecting her while she does things getting her big break right right yeah so this takes place in the pipes level and you know you're going through all these like the entries to the pipes are nice and big but then like you see this little like lump moving through these super teeny <laughs> tiny pipes. It's so Looney Tunes. Yeah. Yeah. So, have you played this one, Nico? No, I have not. I am not... I don't know what this game is about. I only am familiar with the Tiny Tunes and NES games. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like the NES game myself. I've never played this one. It's good. I like it. It's got the... Once again, we had another Konami track here, and it reminds me of the bonus or break time tune from the first TMNT game. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why, I just get, like, that vibe of, like, hey, chill out, have a seat, we're gonna, you know, just have a good time, I don't know. We're gonna eat some but Taco Bell, everything's gonna be nice. Yeah, it's gonna be great. That's right. <laughs> but I did like it. Yeah, no, it was good. It was good. I was feeling this track. I love the whole, like, blues, swing, jazz kind of vibe that this is going mm. for. This, like, kind of big band. Yeah, yeah, I was really digging that. Yeah. It, it, it fits with the Tiny Toons, Looney Tunes-esque oh, yeah. Warner Brothers motif. It, it, it feels like something that would have been in an episode. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the things that I thought added an interesting bit to the track was in the beginning in particular there's like hard stops to some of those notes like right, right off the right off the bat yeah and i i just it it almost sounded like it was skipping uh, but once i realized what it actually was like that it was part of the song mm. it, it added just this extra interesting element and like it was already really nice and swingy but yeah it was a uh, you're talking about those those but like where a lot of the other notes sort of like sustain yeah like the notes just like hard stop right hard stop yeah yeah it almost sounds like a skip yeah yeah i could see that yeah but good good request there alex i think that this this game i'll have to pick it up it's fairly cheap still for the most part and it's uh konami you can't go wrong as uh as we guys said so <laughs> now the composers on this one one of the composers was hidehiro funauchi and he kind of bounced all around to a bunch of different games mostly sticking with the konami and ultra games releases Stuff like Twin V3, Poco Poco Daimo in 1989. That was his first game. He did sound on that. Castlevania The Adventure. He was the sound creator on that one as well. Same thing with Castlevania 2, Belmont's Revenge. He was the sound creator. I don't know if he did the music or if he's just... I don't know why he's labeled here just a sound creator. But he did the soundtrack to Parodius in 1981. Probably the Famicom version or possibly the Game Boy version. You know, most of the games that he did 
were Game Boy conversions. Mm. So I'm thinking he was just a part of the Game Boy team because he did Quarth in 1990, uh, Operation C in 1991, Blades of Steel in 91. His last game was Zen Intergalactic Ninja in 1993. Oh, yeah. So, and I believe, again, same thing. That was the Game Boy version. He's He stayed with Konami. But he moved on to doing like video and cinematics, uh, stuff like uh, the opening to Gradius Deluxe Pack in 96. Oh, nice. Ghana Winter Olympics in 98. Uh, in 1997, he did the opening for that, as well as Police Knots in 1996. He did the film digitization. M. Shindo, the only credit we have for them is this game, That's a Big Break. All right, then. Well, there you go. <laughs> All right, so we're moving in from our Patreon pick to Justin's pick. What do you got for us? So I am going to play for you a little track I like to call Surface of SR388. And this is from Metroid 2 Return of Samus. came out in the Game Boy in 1991 and was composed by Ryoji Yoshitomi. Welcome back to XVGM Radio. That was the surface of SR388 from Metroid 2 Return of Samus. Came out in the Game Boy in 1991 and was composed by Ryoji Yoshitomi. First off, I'm going to start off by saying that I am not 
big on Metroid. The, the fact that I'm playing a Metroid track in this, uh, I was this episode say, and you're not uh, yeah. actually surprised me. Mostly because of like this game, but right. it was just a very odd coincidence that this was one of the first games that I ended up getting for the Game Boy, or rather, that was gifted to me. Okay, okay. I, I, I don't remember if it was, uh, it was birthday or Christmas or what it was, but either way, like I ended up with this game and I was like, oh, Metroid. But like I, I'd heard of the original Metroid, never really played it, never really saw like touched it, played this game, and it was unlike most of the other games that I'd been really playing at the time. Keep your filthy hands off my Samus. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> it was it was weird to me. Like uh, I remember trying to play this game a number of times when I was a kid, and only could really only get so far. Like I think I got as far as like getting the spider ball, right? And and then it just the area was so large, I kept getting lost. Mm, mm. It wasn't until I was older and had slightly better memory, brain power <laughs> that I was able to like, okay, I know, I know, I've been here. You upgraded your RAM. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Right, processing right. power and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the big thing about this game is it was too big for the scope of what it was trying to do. Yeah. So I feel like anytime I play this game, I get lost very, it's very huge. frequently. It is a huge game, but the biggest problem is that a lot of the areas tend to look the same. Yes. So <laughs> that's that's why I used to get frustrated. This is one of those games where it really helped me to have a strategy where when I went to a specific area, if it was like a long corridor down and you know you could go like to the left or you could go to the right like in different rooms what i would always try to focus on doing is drop down one level go to the left explore fully and then go until you can't go any further then go back up top and then go to the right and do the same thing and i would just work my way down and through each corridor and that's kind of how i would do it but i would still i would still get confused there were still areas that repeated and uh yeah this was i agree with you that this is one of those games where this was one of the first game boy games that i i did end up getting after you know when i got my game boy color it was like zelda link's awakening dx this super mario land 2 and castlevania the adventure in castlevania belmont's revenge so those were like the four or five games or five or six games that i pretty much was like immediately like I have to go out and get these <laughs> games you know so I picked them up like used somewhere at like yep. Funko Land so yeah but I I didn't play this one when it came when it came out despite the fact that I was a huge Metroid fan I loved love love the first game it's like one of my favorite games of all time and I just kind of missed the bus on this one <laughs> and I also missed like, Super Metroid when like, it came out too that's surprising yeah wow um that's a story to tell for a different episode, mm -hmm. but because it is a really good story. But <laughs> yeah, I never really had that experience with Metroid 2. I didn't really have too much nostalgia for it, but I do remember playing it when I did get my Game Boy Color. But what about you, Nico? Yeah, this is a uh, entry in the series I've... I should start that I'm I'm like Justin. I am not big on Metroid. I played Super Metroid, and that's a classic. That was good. Mm -hmm. A lot of what just Metroid is just it didn't it doesn't appeal to me that much. But mm -hmm. I don't know I think after listening to this track, I think I may want to take a dive into this entry. But it sounds like it's probably similar to the first one. Like you get lost easily and such. But yeah, yeah I want to yeah. feel they did something to make it a little bit more easy because it's Game Boy, you know. And yeah, like you're saying uh, it's it's like a large game for like in the scope they were trying to go for. I mean. Mm. I feel like they would have been able to, like, you know, make it a little, a little easy for you, or at least, you know. Yeah, the was it, um, linear? It on... No, Metroid's not linear. I shouldn't say. No, that. No, no, playing it on the Game Boy Color it, or like the Super Game Boy is a little easier because you have a little bit more color, and 
you're able to see differences in shapes and everything a little bit easier, I think, with the different color schemes that you can set up. But this track, it's one of the few tracks in the game that's actually musically inclined. The rest of the tracks are it's very, yeah, very environmental. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ryuji Yoshitomi was the composer on this one and has a lot of long sound time su- history yeah. with Nintendo. Most of the the more recent things are like sound supervisor and sound effects. The very first thing in their resume here looks to be Metroid 2 Return yeah. of Samus. Moving on to Game Boy Wars in 1991 as a music composer. Wario Land, Super Mario Land 3 in 1994 as a music composer. WarioWare Inc. Mega Micro Games in 2003. And then the latest sound supervisor credit that we have here is Mario Tennis Aces in 2018. Right, yeah, so pretty much just sound support. Yeah. over the years uh, with Nintendo. So can't say that that's a bad thing because he definitely knows his way around the sound and the oh, hardware yeah. and everything. So. All right, so we're moving on to Nico's final pick. Nico's final pick. Nico, what do you got for us? Well, I've got the best of what I chose <laughs> for this. This is Turok Battle of the Bionosaurus. God, what a weird word. <laughs> That is, of course, on the Game Boy, released in 1997, and this is the Ruins track by the legendary Alberto Zay Gonzalez.
And welcome back to XBGM. That was Turok Battle of the Bionosaurs, the Ruins track by Alberto Jose Gonzalez. I'll tell you what's not ruined. This track. Yeah. Boom. This Taco Bell. Oh. Oh, snap. We've got to ruin that Taco Bell. Oh, wow. With oh, this track. No, <laughs> no I, I have to say... This is another top contender for Track of the Night for me because the main piece of this track, like what it comes in on, yeah. reminds me of... The main melody, you mean? No, no, not not the melody. Okay. The, like, how it very first starts, like, okay. without the beat and the, um... I don't know if they're really arpeggiated, but, like, the... Uh, the, I think the that is, notes, yeah. It, it reminds me solidly of, like... Gen music. Okay. Well, that makes Are you sense. Familiar with that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, it sounds a lot like stuff you'd hear in, in like the key gen, uh, may, maybe some of the demo scene, but like it just took me back to like sitting on a Mac and cracking software. Wasn't that where Albert, uh, Alberto Jose Gonzalez came from, though, uh, Nico? Is like Is the demo scene for like C64. I think... ZX so, Spectrum, I mean, I he, he worked on ZX. That yeah. was, I think, yeah. was his where he started. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, Alberto Jose Gonzalez is a fantastic composer, which, you know, the majority of his really amazing work is on the Game Boy and Game Boy Color. Yeah, I've actually heard a lot of uh, a lot of his other stuff in some of like, his Looney Tunes-related yeah. games. Yep, yep. And, I mean, that, that stuff's really good, too, but I don't know if I've heard anything from him that sounds quite like this. I actually found out about him through my previous podcast, Pixel Tunes, right. because we played on one of our Game Boy episodes... We played a song from, I believe it was Turok Rage Wars, uh, on the Game Boy Color. And that's how I found out about him, and was just blown away. It was just like, who is this guy? <laughs> so, yeah, he generally does a lot of, like, more arpeggiated stuff. His sound kind of, like, reeks in a good way. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Of that more Western composer vibe. Lots of arpeggios, heavily arpeggiated. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, he, he cites Tim Fallon, um, yep. Ben Daglish... Chris Holzbeck, Jonathan Dunn, David Whitaker is like yep. his main musical influences. That totally so, makes sense. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah. It, it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. I'm very impressed by how this track made me feel. <laughs> this game? Garbage. Oh, no. But, which is a shame. I, mean, I, I, yeah. uh, I feel like the first Turok is unplayable on Game Boy Color, or on Game Boy, but Turok 2 is not bad. It, it's got some no, problems. They, they got better. They did. It, like, it basically goes, like, and then Rage War is good, and I think Turok 3 Game of Code is actually, I think it, it is the best one. I think 3 is the best one, and Rage Wars is actually not bad either. So, if you were I mean, to... Rage Wars is hard, but... Yeah, yeah, uh, Rage Wars is really tough. But sound-wise, phenomenal, all four of these games. Yes. Mm -hmm. So is that why you yes. picked this one, Nico? Just to kind of showcase some Alberto, or? I <laughs> uh, it's it's a mixture. I mean, Alberto is. I mean, when I think of Game Boy, I go straight to Gonzalez because that was his primary console. Yeah, um, yeah. Or yeah, his primary composing. The most games he did the most music for. Yeah. It, it was a shame he didn't do more NES because he only had Asterix and the Smurfs, which also right. had Game Boy games. Yeah, yeah. But his Game Boy stuff is some of the best I have ever heard. You know, it's the same thing. I forget. Yeah, which one i think it was like turok and turok 2 i heard and i was like i gotta see what else this guy's done and then you know you go down to freaking like you know bomb jack and metal masters and lucky luke and the tintin games and yeah everything he pretty much even his first ever like what was his first game ever it was like called what was it cool ball or i forgot what it's called but it, even like that and it's like 
It was still um, good. It was the essence of where he started, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, he did Ghostbusters 2 in 1989. He did the uh, MSX version. Yeah, I think MSX is actually where he started. Yeah. But uh, Cool and Ball in 92 X. is probably what you're referring to. He yeah, also cool did North ball. and South. He's great. He is. <laughs> he ended up moving on to continue working on games, but more on, like, the production side of things and not music-wise. Yeah, uh, become which, a developer. Yeah, pretty much, which is a shame because it would be just absolutely killer to have him back and do soundtracks two games maybe like yeah. one, you know one of these days we can convince him to uh come on the show i've one really nice thing about alberto is he's super friendly with the vgm community yeah really upstanding nice guy will answer any questions you have has a real passion for video game music too so it's always nice to see him kind of pop in and share a little bit of information about his background and the things that he's worked on so. yeah yeah i very much appreciated that like on twitter he would post like this is what i used to compose on i was like oh my god i know like i can't think of anyone else that like does that, that yeah is, yeah like, maybe like very that era. yeah or like maybe yeah. matt furnace Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's I, I just love his. He's, he's got a good essence around him, and <laughs> I just his his stuff needs to be shown more, even outside of his Game Boy stuff. You know, yeah. he still did good other um what one Super Nintendo, the Asterix and Obliques game. Yeah, yes, yes. yeah. I mean, he did some Game Boy Color, some Game Boy Advance stuff too. So, um, you know, kind of like fizzled out right around that Game Boy Color, Game Boy Advance like yeah. era. You know, stopped working on soundtracks unfortunately. Well, at least his legacy in the Game Boy shall be remembered. And obviously all the Turok games, check out the Game Boy Color versions for all the soundtracks. All worth taking a listen in. Absolutely. All right, we're moving into my last pick, which is Fortified Zone on the Game Boy. And this came out in 1991. The track is Stage 3, and it's by Tsukasa Honey Tawada. returned and that was my final pick of the game boy extravaganza fortified zone on the game boy came out in 1991 the track was stage three and it's by tsukasa honey tawada have either of you played this 
I have not played it, but I have watched your episode on it. Okay. Yes, <laughs> I, I did. played it shortly. <laughs> this game, you play as one of two mercenaries, uh, Masato Kanzaki or Mizuki Makamura. And you could bounce back and forth between the two. If I recall, the girl Mizuki can move faster and jump farther. But Masato Kanzaki, the, the guy is slower but more powerful, right? And it's a top-down, kind of like Zelda-ish type of game, Mm -hmm. but it's also kind of Metal Gear-ish in the sense that you're like... It's like the old Metal Gear games, like uh, Ghost Babble on the Game Boy Color or like the MSX games. Mm -hmm. We're moving around trying to unlock different parts of this giant fortified zone that you are in trying to get to the heart of the battle station. So you could switch back and forth between the two characters unless you die as one of the characters, uh, in which case it's been a really long time since I played this. I don't remember if you could bring them back or not. I think you have to die and then you have to continue. Right, and then right. you can come back and I think it's like unlimited continues or whatever. You get different weapons. You get like flamethrowers, hand grenades, rocket launchers. You get medical packs that you could pick up to heal you. If I recall, the girl Mizuki has less life, and Masato, the boy, has more health. I personally think the sequel's way better. It's a lot more control-friendly. This game... The Japanese-only one? Uh, yeah. This game is, is good, but it's a little stiff, and the sprites are very large. Mm. And, oh, yeah. I and and so the biggest problem that I ran into on this first game is I would always like make bad judgment calls when it came to like turning corners or like moving because it's like Resident Evil where like you move and then the camera like takes a second to reposition when you get to the next room oh, it's not yeah. like Mega Man where like the room will scroll with you it's more like the room appears and like you immediately appear in the room hmm. so you don't have like a, a good buffer so to speak of time but this one's on the virtual console if you want to pick it up cheap it's like i don't know four or five bucks or something like that i think you can download it on the u.s virtual console on the 3ds so you know give it a go the game is still pretty cheap if i recall i mean i don't i don't think it's that expensive but i love this soundtrack which was composed by tsukasa honey tawada i don't know the honey part why he's called honey He's also known as T. Tawada. But he's done a lot of different stuff for a lot of different companies. He started with doing the conversion of the Maniac Mansion music, I believe, over to the NES. Oh, nice. Which was done in 1988. Earth Defense Force in 1991. I believe that's the Super NES game. Uh, Skipping ahead a little bit, he worked on Dragon Quest VI. Composed the soundtrack to KO Flying Squadron in 1980, and uh, his latest game was Harvest Moon 3D: The Lost Valley in 2014, where he did music and sound effects for it. Nice. But uh, the reason why I picked this track is the rest of the soundtrack is okay, but this song just completely stands out to me. I mean, you've got those really high-end, shrill melodies that the Japanese composers are known for. Yeah. Um, some of them get a little ear-piercing, uh, <laughs> you know, towards the end. The the ones that are like dog whistle territory but i love the driving bass line in this track i love the real like you know militant kind of you can do it kind of vibe (laughs) yeah it's kind uh, of like driving and and, what's the word it's a good action game vibe yeah yeah uplifting yeah uplifting yeah A a lot of uplifting harmonies and melodies so i dig it what do you what did you guys think 
I really like this one. That like, even though those like ear piercing levels of the music can be <laughs> a little much. I mean, that's you know, that's part of Game Boy. You know, it's part of Game Boy Sound right there when you can really get that out of it. But sure, sure. Love, it remind it just it reminds me of just another game. I can't put my finger on that. I think I was thinking of Moon Crystal, which um, okay, uh, Sutkasa also did. Okay, um, but I don't think the tones got to that in that game. But it, maybe just the good old Japanese. Just that sound, like just, it just works right here on this track, and I just love it. Um, yeah, very cool, Justin. I don't actually have a lot to say about the track. It was a, a fun track that I enjoyed listening to, but unfortunately, it didn't leave a huge impact on me. But I, I mean, that's not to say that like it was a terrible track. It mm. just we listened to it, and I actually couldn't tell you a whole lot about what I just listened to. Gotcha. So it was the Diablo sauce to your. Mild sauce. Diablo sauce. I like Diablo sauce. Yeah. Okay. It's nice and spicy. All right. Okay. okay. It was it was more the mild sauce to my Diablo sauce. Okay. Okay. There we go. There we I go. I didn't dislike it. I just don't remember much of it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, it looks like we're getting a call on our call-in line, according to Janine. Let's uh, go ahead and take the call. Caller, you're on the air with XVGM Radio. What can we do for you? Hi. I'm the Wii U guy, and I just want to call and say the Wii guy is a phony. Whoa, whoa. You're getting called out, Nico. I mean, come on. I do stereo master system conversions for the internet, and I also combine master system PSG and SM synth soundtracks perfectly. I mean, come on. Can you say that, Nico? I mean, well, uh, listen, we don't need this kind of negativity. Go pick up a quesadilla or something. You're, you're, you're out of here. You know what? Taco Bell sounds pretty good. Maybe I will. Uh, yeah, usually we don't... I, I apologize, Nico. That That's not the kind of calls we usually get. We don't normally get people calling in specifically looking to harass our guests. Oh, that's all right. I'm the one with the thousand plus videos on my channel, so my legacy is pretty set in stone. That's right. I would agree. I, I've never heard of Wii U guy. Must be a new kid on the block just trying to make a name for himself by uh, calling out, you know. Starting some beef with, yeah. uh, with, with someone else. Yeah. How do you go yeah, after start, Nico? Starts. Nico's like the sweetest little boy. He's like the caramel apple empanada. I'm a soft taco. You are, um, you are like... You <laughs> two are different like, items. You are like the cinnamon twist to my heart, Nico. Aww. Thank you. I like that. That's a good one. <laughs> well, in honor of the sweet little boy cinnamon twist to our heart, <laughs> I think we should end... On a cinnamon twist of a song. <laughs> okay, alright. So, uh, my last pick of the night is going to be from The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. What a coincidence, we've mentioned that game like twice already. I know, right? <laughs> came out in the Game Boy in 1993. The track is Mysterious Forest, and it was composed by Minako Hamano, Kozue Ishikawa, and Kazumi Totaka.
welcome back. That was the final track of the night, and it is from The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, came out in the Game Boy in 1993. The track was Mysterious Forest, and it was composed by Minako Hamano, Kozue Ishikawa, and Kazumi Totaka. I have fond memories of playing this one. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed this game right up until the end. Okay, then what happened? Then I was upset about the ending. Oh, okay. Don't spoil it for me because I haven't beaten it. Wait, really? Yeah, I haven't beaten it. I got super oh, far. Oh, no. Okay. I got to like the, I don't know, seventh dungeon or whatever. <sighs> and then I got lost and then I never picked it back up. The game is so good. The ending, like, it's not terrible. Like, it didn't ruin the experience for me. Mm. So I, 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 won't, I won't spoil it. But you should definitely finish the game and then you will know. So, yeah, no, this was the first game that I picked up for the Game Boy Color. Mm. And one of my favorite parts of this game is how funny the script is. Yes. <laughs> There's this one kid that you end up seeing in the town. So the whole plot is like Link gets shipwrecked and he wakes up, he has amnesia, he doesn't know what's going on. And he meets Malin, who's kind of like the stand-in for Zelda, I guess. Mm -hmm. And she's like, hey, come to the town, you know, let me show you around or whatever. Uh, you know, there's the Taco Bell, there's, you know, <laughs> here's my uncle, you know, like that sort of stuff. And I think it's like after you get your sword back and you're running around doing random stuff or whatever, there's like a loud noise or something like that. And you rush back to the village and you end up running into this kid and he's like, yeah, something went that away or whatever. And then he's like, but I don't know, because I'm just a kid. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, that kid was really annoying, but kind of funny. So funny. I yeah. don't know what it was about that kid, but when I was a kid, that made me crack up. <laughs> I don't know what it was. You know, there, there's a bunch of moments like that in this game. Mm. And actually, now that, now that you mention it, I feel like... When they did the Minish Cap, they were trying to bring some of that like humor back. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that they that they succeeded as well with that game. Although mm -hmm. I do remember enjoying Minish Cap. Yeah. Uh, I also don't remember the game as as well as I do this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Link, Link's Awakening. I, I've played multiple times. Mm -hmm. um, like I played it on the original Game Boy. I played the DX version yeah. on the on the Game Boy Color. Yeah, yeah. It was, I, I think it's actually the first Zelda game that I ever actually played to completion. Oh, wow. Um, I okay. didn't I didn't beat the original Zelda game until I got it on the virtual console on the Wii in like 2006 or whatever. Oh, wow. But yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoyed this game. Like mm -hmm. I said, the, the ending left me feeling a little like, all right. But um, but overall, I like I, I've gone back to it multiple times because the gameplay and the story throughout it was really mm. good. Yeah. And I mean, even the, the lead up to the ending with the just like the, the the final boss and mm. the, this whole windfish thing it's, it's a good time yeah and this track is i mean it's the mysterious forest track <laughs> i think my favorite thing about this track is it distinctly makes me think of running as mario and super mario 3 you know when you you run and you get, yeah uh, it does a yeah sound. yeah yeah the <laughs> before you get the or when you get the p, p yep. the p wing yeah 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 and you're flying <laughs> yeah i could see that um I really do feel like this is a Totaka track. Oh, yeah. I, and, I mean, it is co-composed co by him, but I, I really feel like he wrote this one specifically. I, I, would, got, I would agree with it's, you. It's got that light-hearted vibe to it, <laughs> but also it's got a really great, like, backbeat. Yes. You know what I mean? It's very jazz-oriented as well, so I just absolutely love this track, and this reminds me of running around the mysterious forest trying to figure out what the heck to do <laughs> and where to go because if i recall what you have to do is you have to either the magic powder or the mushroom powder or something mm -hmm. like that 
have to bring it to this dude who looks like a squirrel or something like that. Hmm. And you give it to him, and then he starts bouncing all over the room. Oh, yeah, And then yeah. you end up, you find out that it was Malin's uncle or whatever, and he had turned into, like, a whatever the animal was. And he's <laughs> like, oh, thank goodness that you saved me or whatever. And then he goes, you know, runs off and gets yeah. back to lumberjacking or whatever it is that he's doing. <laughs> I actually had my first playthrough of this game last year on stream it oh, was nice. a uh it was a pretty fun blind playthrough and finally experiencing this game which has had its like legacy of like you gotta play link's awakening and i've learned that this is a lot of people's favorite zelda game and you know what i can see that it's got that traditional zelda one vibe but if you mix like you know maybe some elements of like link to the past you know yeah, it's yeah. kind of like mario world to Mar super mario land 2 but yeah Maybe there's just a lot of crossover because just because of the development teams at that time making you know those games all at once and such. It was a nice it's, return it's, to form. It's very nice return mm, to form. Yeah, I very much enjoyed it. And the music, of course, this game is all all so catchy. Yeah, I could hear like definitely a lot of tunes sound different from each other. Like some are probably by you know uh, Hamano and then Ishikawa, and obviously this is a Totaka track. I right. can I I got that Mario Land Two feel in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So and it's all good. Yeah. So we talked about Totaka already, but what about the other two composers? Yeah. So Minako Hamano has, uh, as many of these Nintendo alums, a huge portfolio. It started out doing sound composition on. Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, <laughs> uh, so in 1993. Moved on to some fantastic games like Super Metroid in 1994, <laughs> Mario Kart Super Circuit, they did sound, Brain Age, Train Your Brain in Minutes a Day in 2005. Mm -hmm. but yeah, she is a longtime Nintendo composer. Yes. And then we have Kozue Ishikawa, who has a slightly shorter credit list, again, starting out with Link's Awakening in 1993, Warrior Land, Super Mario Land 3D in 1994, Earthbound in 94. Uh, Warrior Land 2 in 98, Warrior Land 3 in 2000. So their last composed game was Mario Tennis then. Right, in 2000. Mario, yeah. Well, that about does it for our Game Boy episode. We want to thank Nico for jumping on board and chit-chatting with us about Taco Bell and, uh, <laughs> and Game Boy and everything in between. Nico, what was your favorite pick of every song that we've played today? Every song. Oh my god. <laughs> um, it's a toughie. I mean, obviously of my own tracks, you know, they're favorites already. I mean, that seems kind of redundant to pick one of my own. So, I mean, if you like your track we'll one of our tracks, I mean, I, I can't, I mean, can't argue. <laughs> I would say mine are probably the more complex as far as comp compositions go. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. Technical-wise, I don't know. It's all depends <laughs> on what you talk about each game, each composer. Sure. I think I'll go with the Fortified Zone because actually of all the tracks, I've kind of heard a little bit of all of them. Um, it would have been Ninja Gaiden Shadow, but I didn't get that far in Fortified Zone. I think I only played the first like zone, but oh. hearing that track, I think it definitely knocked my socks off and I'm like, wow, <laughs> I like it. Wow. Nice. Very cool. Justin? Yeah. So I am going to go with the Ninja Gaiden Shadow Stage 1 track. Wow. That one was a lot mm. of fun. I, it felt like a very epic song. Mm. And like I said earlier, for, for starting off the game, like, what a, what a way to start a game. <laughs> mm, definitely. I'm going to go with Nico's first pick, TMNT 2, Back from the Sewers, actually. I love that drum fill. I don't know what it is, but it just caught me off guard, <laughs> yeah. and it just nothing else like throughout this entire episode. I mean, all the other music in the entire episode is phenomenal, but that track in particular really stood out to me. One, because I hadn't really heard it, and two, because of that little drum fill. So, uh, again, we want to thank Nico for stopping by 
Nico, where can we find you on the World Wide Web? Well, of course, it is great to be on here. Thanks for having me. Glad to be a XVGM, the new hot name in video game music. That's right. What do you think of the digs? The the surroundings, <laughs> the radio station, if you will. I prove the digs. Yeah? You're feeling it? Very much, very much a shindig. Very cool. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, speaking of, that is kind of kind of a thing I say on my stream at twitch.tv slash theweeguy underscore GGG. Do not forget the underscore triple G as it's dedicated to Gaming Going Gone, my yes. one of my other channels. Mm-hmm. But that is pretty much my main place you can find me. I'm obviously we got 309 for YouTube for my the music tape it's stereo stuff. Not much for like context, but if you wanna watch me be all me and talk games and be all crazy, play some games with great soundtracks and talk music, then definitely at Twitch you can find me. And of course, just the Wii Guy for Twitter, but Twitch is where it's at. And that's, that's right. what I'll where I'll like to see anyone drop by. Absolutely. You can check us out at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash XVGM radio where you can chit chat and talk to us about your favorite picks of the episode. We want to know what your favorite picks were, what you thought of the whole conversation and discussion that we had, our stories, our nostalgia for the Game Boy. Tell us your nostalgia. We want to hear all about your experience with the Game Boy and what you thought of these tracks. You could also check us out on our website, which is xvgmradio.com. And you could also leave us a comment there or email us at xvgmradio at gmail.com. You can also find us on other parts of the web in the social media cloud, uh, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash xvgmradio. We are also on instagram and twitter we are at xvgm radio on both of those sites that's right and please feel free to leave us a review and a rating on itunes that really helps get the word out about the podcast also subscribe to the podcast if you do listen on itunes make sure to subscribe to it uh, so that way you stay current and that will also help with getting us seen because right now if you type in vgm xvgm radio does not come up Uh, We'd also like to thank all of our patrons. Uh, Without them, the equipment that we currently have would not be possible. We have Alex the Messenger, Scott McElhone, Cam Worma, Chris Murray, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, Chris Myers, Peter Panda, The Autistic Gamer 89, and Mix Master. Thank you all for being patrons. If you would like to become a patron and get in on some of the exclusive patron action like early release of the title cards, uh, some special messages to our patrons, as well as monthly live shows that we're going to be doing, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash xvgm radio. That's right. We just had our first live show on January 18th. If you are a patron, You can listen to the show. We will post the episode so that way, if you weren't able to make the live show on Discord, Mm -hmm. you will be able to see it here and and listen to it on the actual Patreon website. So, yes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, but we will be sure to make sure we give enough warning ahead of time if possible to let people know but they will be every month probably sometime in the middle of each month yeah (laughs) so that's going to do it for us as far as next episode what do we got coming up so uh next episode is going to be all about beat-em-ups yes stoked psyched pumped gonna be fun we got some some really good stuff planned for that one we got the classics 
No, I think it's going to be a very classic episode. Definitely stay tuned for that in two weeks. But until then, this is Mike and Justin signing off for XVGM Radio. That's right. Dang, that's a lot of words. Yeah, it is. <laughs> a lot of bees, babs, big, bab, bags, babs, big break. Blah. Blah, 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 blah. Dab, 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 dab. <laughs>